Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. When we hear phrases, concepts, even traditions, most of us think that we know the story behind them, but we may not. My guest today wrote a book about one such tradition, and what he discovers and shares with the reader adds to the rich cultural stew that exists in the real world, but is not always represented in our silo media and our groupthink academic centers. Tyler D. Perry is author of Jumping the Broom, The Surprising Multicultural Origins of a Black Wedding Ritual, published by the University of North Carolina Press and available on Amazon and all the usual places. Tyler D. Perry is an assistant professor of African American and African Diaspora Studies at University of Nevada in Las Vegas. And you can follow him on Twitter at ProfTDPerry, and that's P-A-R-R. Why? And Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ira. Excited to be here. It's a fascinating subject that you've picked to write a book about. There, yeah, I just ended in a preposition, but that's okay. What stoked your interest in delving deeper and scholastically into that subject? Yeah, so I'll attempt to keep a rather long story somewhat short. But, uh, <laughs> the origin story of the book, I think, goes back over a decade when my wife and I were deciding wedding nuptials. We were engaged. Um, we were both, I was preparing to graduate from the university and I got an interest in history at that point. I wanted to go to graduate school. Uh, but, you know, this is where the personal meets the professional. She wanted to jump the broom as part of celebration of her heritage as a African-American woman. But we only we both only knew kind of really abstract uh, secondary information upon the act subject. But I had an interest in slavery and the African diaspora at that point. And the, the short version of the story is that the minister who married us asked me to get him some information upon the ritual. So that way, any guests who weren't familiar with it would have some context for why we were doing it. And ultimately, I started looking through a, a lot of university <laughs> databases and finding just a wealth of information that I wasn't seeing published in secondary works. It became pretty clear to me that Jumping the Broom was a tradition that a lot of people know about uh, through popular culture. A lot of people practice, but not many people have engaged the, the history of it, at least not a critical history. And so I deliver this multi-page report to him. He looks at me wide-eyed and basically, his eyes tell me he's not going to read the report. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't take offense to it or anything, but I had all this information. And as I was going to graduate school, I was thinking, well, I, I need something original and exciting and engaging to write about within this particular subject area that really just fascinated me. And lo and behold, uh, this was what becomes my first book, you know, over a decade later. Well, I liked about your book was your approach because. Yes, clearly, during the slave era in the United States, jumping the broom was critical in a lot of lives. But you don't leave it there. You then expand and show the, as you subtitle of the book, the multicultural origins of it. And just in your introduction to the book, you said the enslaved couple's actions when they jumped the broom were rich in unspoken symbolism. And that struck me as very important because clearly at that time in the United States history, you couldn't get away with a lot when you were a slave. And so here you were participating in a 
a ritual, a wedding, which is very important, and being able to communicate in a way with that jumping the broom ceremony, something that the slave owners or slave masters could not either understand, interfere with, or even be present for. Yeah. And I think for people who study the histories of enslaved people and or just for marginalized people in general, oftentimes you're dealing with groups who did not write their own histories. Um, so you are piecing together information or evidence that was either placed upon them in the historical record, or you're also engaging evidence where a number of people in the population are nervous or hesitant to discuss the specifics of the ritual. So for Jumping the Broom, one of the things that you find often within the literature is they will mention that they married by jumping the broom, but they won't elaborate on it for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes it's because they're embarrassed. It's a vestige of slavery that they want to forget. They want to do something else, or they want their children or grandchildren to do something else. But one thing I was able to do is basically excavate any source I could find that makes mention of jumping the broom and try to reconstruct a history that looks at the ritual as it was practiced in the 19th century, but also engaging information as to why it was revived at some point after slavery ends. So by the time of the Civil War, most people may or may not be surprised by this. Most formerly enslaved people, newly freed African-Americans, stopped jumping the broom uh, for the reasons of looking at getting their marriage registered with a court or a justice of the peace or a minister. But for about 100 years, jumping the broom disappears as kind of this physical act for African-Americans. But there's a certain cultural moment in the mid-1960s and the 1970s where it's revived. So the book is also interested not in just the historical narrative, but also memory, how people commemorate, how they memorialize certain things. Uh, but in this particular case, it deals with a, a ritual memory and, and how it's reinvented and reimagined by different groups at different times. Do you think that the ritual memory originally started with some shame when slavery ended, but then was embraced, as you mentioned, in relatively recent times, recent meaning the 60s or a little bit earlier? And do you think that that's what it was, was a, a way of identity by embracing the symbol of being marginalized? I think that's what the sources suggest. Um, and, you know, as a historian, you're always trying to be careful to not position your own ideas, modern ideas, onto the historical past or historical figures. But one thing that seems pretty clear when looking at how people remember jumping the broom, and, and so I should say maybe for listeners, a lot of these sources about jumping the broom occurring under slavery are largely taken from individuals who were interviewed in the 1930s. And so these are memories that are 70, 80 years old at that point. This is the Great Depression. A lot of Black Americans are struggling. They live in the rural South. But there was a federal writers program where a number of writers were commissioned to go throughout the rural United States and basically collect the oral histories of kind of dying communities to some degree. And so one of the things that factors into this are for African-Americans who are old enough, they talked about experience of being enslaved as children. And one of the things they say is that, and this isn't universal because there were some who actually fondly remember jumping the broom, but there was a pretty significant disagreement amongst the community if you compare their responses as to 
whether or not jumping the broom was still a valid option for people to engage in the wedding process after slavery, or if that was just something that people did as enslaved people and they no longer needed it afterwards. And essentially, this debate goes on for 100 years or so at that point. But the, the thing that is interesting is that the memory of it never dies because you actually have an archive of people who remember it through oral traditions who kind of use this colloquial expression, jumping the broom, when they're referring to marriage, similar to how people would say tying the knot. So for a number of Southerners, both white and black, they would ask the question, when are you going to jump the broom? And really all they meant by that was when you're going to tie the knot or when are you going to get married? And so even if they weren't physically practicing it, there was this colloquialism that existed within the community to where there was at least some semblance of memory of the, of the physical practice. Now, in the 1960s, and particularly in the 70s, post-civil rights era, you have an assertion of pride and blackness. Uh, black power was becoming much more popular amongst younger generations of African-Americans. And with that came along a need and desire to excavate the history and try to challenge the constructed past that exists through kind of the lost cause narrative of slavery. And so one thing that comes out of that is viewing the everyday activities of enslaved people through the paradigm of resistance. So, you know, it, even if a person remains enslaved their entire life, that doesn't mean they gave up on their dignity. It doesn't mean that they just acquiesced to whatever the slave owner wanted or demanded, but that they were quietly resisting throughout every day of their life to psychologically survive, to, main, to maintain some familial structure and some dignity. And alongside that, historians started looking at marriage ceremonies. Because you have to think of this for listeners who are not otherwise unfamiliar, enslaved people could not legally marry one another. They could perform a ritual of marriage, but they could be legally separated at any point um, at the master's whim. But the fact that a number of people still engaged a ritual process for the ceremony suggested to me and to others that this could be considered an act of resistance. They are going against a stereotype that they didn't desire marriage or didn't desire stability, that they didn't love each other, that they didn't love their children. They're using the marriage ceremony as a way to adopt and adapt a custom that, is, that suits their own needs at that particular time. But once 1865 occurs, a number of people who once practiced jumping the broom believe that it was time to transition into a different phase, uh, particularly obtaining American citizenship. But by the 1960s, people were challenging this idea and saying, well, let's, let's relook or um, view again these rituals that our enslaved ancestors have practiced and see what the actual meaning is. This comes to fruition mostly through the efforts of Black writers in the late 60s and in the 1970s. Most people, myself included, would probably say that Alex Haley has the most to do with reviving the custom. First, through the novel Roots, in which he, it's portrayed as kind of this historical fiction where he is trying to gain access to one of his distant ancestors. But he, he writes a very imaginative book that reveals a lot about enslaved culture and how that impacts uh, current circumstances of African-Americans in the 1970s. And then after that, once the miniseries visually 
portrays jumping the broom is when you start to see a relative explosion of the ritual by the 1980s being used amongst African-Americans in their weddings. Your book, though, goes beyond that focus and looks at other countries and other times. And so it's a much more broadened approach. And when you, when you did the research for that, obviously the dynamics were different in each of those other settings. So were you able to come to, a, for yourself, a consensus of the importance of jumping the broom? Because it meant one thing for the, the slaves and the former slaves in the United States, but it meant other things to other peoples in other countries at other times. Yeah, I think to first directly answer the question, the unifying feature of jumping the broom is that it was most attractive amongst marginalized populations who felt some type of ostracism or oppression from the dominant society. In other words, not necessarily just slavery, just being ostracized for one reason or another. Exactly. So if you're looking at communities of rural Welsh people in the 18th century, um, oftentimes churches may not have been available in their communities. They may have also rejected some of the uh, English ideals about what they should be doing and would look to kind of this more ancient folklore as a way to express themselves as a, as a unique group of people. You find this with traveling communities of you know, Irish travelers, but also the British Romani, which most people despairingly refer to as gypsies, but the idea of a nomadic population who is probably not going to settle in any area and marry within a church, but they want some type of ritual practice. And then this also goes across the Atlantic into the United States in particular. You have rural communities of Louisiana Cajuns adopting this ritual at some point. You have rural white Appalachians. You have people in the frontier West. Um, I was actually very surprised to find how widely it had spread throughout the Atlantic. And, and part of this was just my interest in not looking at the United States as kind of this parochial nation state that only existed by itself, but was much more a cultural product of a vast amount of different ethnicities and cultural groups that converged within the nation state. It's that cultural stew that I mentioned earlier. Exactly. Yes. I mean, and so what we're talking about is I have to admit that I could not find a single origin point for jumping the broom. I don't know who the first people to do it were. But what I do know is that at least by the 19th century, there are various groups that are practicing it for various reasons. But the one thing that seems to unite them is all of these populations felt left out of the body politic for a variety of reasons. Many of them were poor, many of them were rural, but they seem to have found some genuine, authentic expression through doing this within their community. Because the, the other feature of this that was very important for these groups is that your community always endorsed your marriage after you jumped the group. And that, I think that was the, the most important feature that I found. So that folklore developed around connections, not just to marriage, but to sex as well. And in addition, the ceremony itself, we think of jumping the broom as one way, but it's actually jumping over and then jumping back and not just one person doing it, but both people. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. The other thing that, that fascinated me that I didn't really see in the literature very often was jumping the broom when most people ask me is literally what it means. So it's two people jumping over a broom in some capacity to get married. 
And that's really the finality of the actual ritual. It's very quick, but it has a deep-seated meaning amongst many people. But one of the things that I found fascinating is if you look at all of the different groups that utilized it in some form, they all do it pretty differently, um, which means that there was some type of innovation, some type of adaptation. And this could differ amongst even plantation communities within the U.S. South. So just for a few examples, within the British Romani groups that I had found, there was one ritual practiced by one group where the community would line up in kind of this tunnel. They would put their arms over and then the bride and groom would kind of walk through the tunnel. And then when they got to the broomstick, the husband would jump over first and then the wife would jump over after and he would catch her in his arms. And then when you look at the expressions of Welsh communities, it was known that at least in one that I found Within one year, if the woman was dissatisfied with the particular union, she could ask for a divorce by jumping backwards over the broom. And one of the things that's interesting about that is that particular ritual carries over to enslaved communities. And I found at least two references to the idea that enslaved people, if they wanted a divorce, they would jump backwards over the broom. So this is important because since I don't know the single origin point of the ritual, What I do find fascinating is that there are kind of these unspoken, or I I shouldn't say unspoken, but undocumented cultural interactions occurring amongst what I assume are marginalized white populations and enslaved people to where enslaved people are taking what they find most appealing or most useful from this ritual and then integrating it into their own plantation communities. And There's at least one point in the book where I attempted to catalog all of these various expressions within a graph. And I was actually even surprised myself to see how diverse it could be, depending upon the particular respondent. Some people jumped over together facing each other. Some people jumped over multiple times. Sometimes you chanted when you jumped over. Sometimes only the husband jumped over. Sometimes only the wife jumped over. And sometimes she just didn't jump. And oftentimes that meant she didn't want to get married. (laughs) It was one of those uh, moments of, you know, fleeing the runway at that that point or deciding against it. So the the runaway bride. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's not to jump. So it was um, I think that was one of the most interesting aspects of it, because there's this assumption, I think, in popular culture, because of the way most people do it is like just a single jump over the broom. And then there's even this idea that, you know, enslaved people never got divorced, you know, because there was this idea that they had to fight for their marriages because they could be separated at at any point. But one of the things that Jumping the Broom revealed was the humanity of all the people who endured circumstances that most people can't imagine in in the modern era. And so even though enslaved people knew they had to fight for their relationships, they could decide to no longer be together, um, whether that be amicably or not amicably. And jumping the broom provided some type of community endorsement for people who were looking for something different to do. Did you find any cases of jumping the broom in communities that were not marginalized or ostracized? Yeah, this is a good question. The only real references you see to jumping the broom outside of kind of these marginalized or ostracized communities are people who would mock it. 
So there is a class-based analysis that I was that I was using because jumping the broom becomes ridiculed amongst what you would call the so-called elite classes. They very much associated it with something that marginalized populations did. One of the things that some English authors, or I should say English artists, would do is they would look at important Scottish figures and portray them as jumping over the broomstick, um, which was a way to say, well, you might be aristocracy where you're from, but to us, you're still just a Scottish Celt. And so even then, when I'm looking at the literature and trying to provide what I think is an accurate and authentic history of how people felt about it, I couldn't ignore the fact that jumping the broom was also mocked and ridiculed by those who consider themselves above the populations that did it. And there's even some hint of this amongst enslaved people or formerly enslaved people when they discuss how their masters would introduce the ritual into their marriage ceremonies. There were times where enslaved people conducted it independently, but there were also times where the slave owner interfered within the ceremonial process and had them jump over the broom. And at least among some of the respondents, it was not lost on them that they were doing it as kind of a way to make fun of the ritual. And, but that's also important to consider because if it is a ritual that was used for mockery, there is something to be said for a group of people who can adapt that from a symbol of mockery into something that they could, you could see as empowering or at least resistant to the status quo at that time. Was there also mockery that could come, especially in the modern era, from middle class or upper middle class Blacks towards that? Great question. So. In a word, yes. One thing that I found, particularly in the 1990s, when the ritual becomes immensely popular amongst African-Americans, and one of the reasons it becomes popular is because at this point, there was an interest in ethnicity amongst many Americans, um, African-Americans included. And there was this booming industry within the wedding industry called heritage weddings. And jumping the broom becomes integrated in these, these heritage weddings to the point where it became pretty common if you attended a black wedding in the mid-1990s, you would probably see them jump over the broomstick at some point. Now, that actually instigated a disagreement amongst maybe black academia to some degree, or at least black academics, uh, particularly those who would have considered themselves Afrocentrists. This is usually described as people, particularly in the 1980s and the 1990s, who were rejecting a Eurocentric curriculum and trying to position African-American history within the African continent and trying to see how continuities and survivals from Africa had shaped the distinct culture that African-Americans hold within the United States. Now, for these Afrocentric scholars, they... I, I guess I could use strong language. They really condemned using, using jumping the broom within modern marriage ceremonies because they saw it as a vestige of slavery. And they said that this was not an empowering ritual to use because all it does is feed into the narrative that African-Americans are not only descendants of slaves, but basically enslaved to the United States. So you actually find uh, at least, a, I would say, a minority of voices within the broader Black American community that rejected the popularity of this custom. But 
I think the, you could say the custom wins out because pop culture at that point was strongly in favor of African-Americans investigating their roots. And once again, kind of reimagining the ritual for the descendant community in the modern era. In your research, what was the most surprising thing you found? You knew kind of what was there, but now as you delve deeper and you go into all these sources that most scholars hadn't even looked at, you must have found maybe it's a character, maybe it's another tradition, maybe it's, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What was the the thing that surprised you the most about your research? Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's always different sequences of, of surprise within the research process. I think that one thing that actually surprised me that may even surprise listeners familiar with the custom is that it was it, within the secondary literature at the time, there was an assumption amongst historians that this was the most popular ritual that enslaved people used. I mean, you, you would see comments saying, Enslaved people jumped the broom because they couldn't do any other form of marriage, or jumping the broom was the most popular marriage custom amongst enslaved people. But what I actually found is that there was a much more diverse array of rituals or approaches that enslaved people would use beyond jumping the broom, which actually made the analysis pretty interesting because then I had to justify why this was so important to write about to some degree. Because if the majority of enslaved people don't reference doing it, And that suggests that it was not uh, as immensely popular as it may have been portrayed within the literature. But the other thing that that I had to decipher is that even if that's true, I found within the resources maybe between 28 to 32 percent of enslaved people who discussed marriage referenced using the ritual. That's not insignificant, but it's not a majority. And so what I found fascinating is why it is at a certain point in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, you start to see references to jumping the broom increasing. And a part of that seems to go along the lines of how memory becomes involved in the historical landscape. Why it is that some rituals seem to win out among the descendant community in favor of others. But the, I guess the, the main thing that surprised me was that it was not a majority of the rituals compared to the other rituals that were used. But that also doesn't make it any less important as a pop culture phenomenon. Before I let you go, I have to ask the question, based on your research, based on your wife's input, would you like your kids to jump the broom when the time comes? Yes. Yeah, I would, I would think it's very important for them to do. But ultimately, at the same time, uh, if I'm looking at agency among enslaved people and the choices they made, I also believe that they have every right to not do it if they choose to. So, but I, I do hope, and one of the reasons, one of my motives for writing the book was to make sure that everyone can be completely informed about the ritual as they choose to use it or not. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Tyler D. Perry, author of Jumping the Broom, The Surprising Multicultural Origins of a Black Wedding Ritual, published by the University of North Carolina Press and available on Amazon and all the usual places. Tyler D. Perry is an assistant professor of African-American and African Diaspora Studies at UNLV, that's University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And you can follow him on Twitter at Prof. T.D. Perry. That's Prof. T.D. Perry. And Tyler, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Same here. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.